I'm here today with Zoe Van Dyke. Zoe is an illustrator, most specifically an editorial illustrator. Zoe's worked with clients including Variety, Entertainment Weekly, Netflix, Wired, Longreads, BuzzFeed, Vice, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, and just a bunch of other publications. Zoe, how would you describe yourself as an artist? I do moody, lyrical, narrative-based I would say narrative conceptual is probably the closest descriptor of what I do. And I do a lot of likenesses too. A lot of portrait work. And I'd say your work is very realistic. The detail you're putting into it, it all feels somewhat cinematic to a degree, mixed with a, a sense of bold abstract shapes and concepts on top of that. Yeah, I definitely like working pretty realistically. I don't know. I, I have a range, though. Sometimes I feel like I'm going either too realistic or too cartoony. So it's just a weird line to tread. So let's talk about how you got into illustration and art just in general. What pulled you towards editorial illustration? So my mom is actually an illustrator, so I always grew up surrounded by art. She had a studio in the basement, and that's where she worked out. She was always obviously very supportive of any time I wanted to be creative or draw. I was always drawing as a kid, and I grew up in the woods, too, so I didn't have a ton of friends. This sounds lonely, but it's not. I was sounds like my childhood as well. <laughs> yeah, like I was by myself a lot. Like I'm the youngest. I have two siblings, so we were around each other, but I would also just go into the backyard and build a moss fort and talk to myself for three hours. So, <laughs> you, know. you grew up in, in California, correct? Yeah, I grew up in Northern yeah. California in the Sierra Nevada Mountains, and like, uh, it's two towns they're mining towns right on top of each other but they're very small like when i lived there i think it was population six thousand, maybe pretty remote yeah i mean you know you just spend a lot of time with yourself and creating your own narratives and then you naturally want to draw them because i guess not having the internet i didn't have any way to see narratives expressed for me you know and we didn't it's not like netflix was a thing back then and we didn't really have cable for the first i don't know 10 12 years of my life even that type of media was pretty limited for me so when you thought of the kind of artist you wanted to be what was that so the, the funny thing is is that because my mom was an illustrator my whole childhood people would constantly be like oh you're definitely going to be an artist when you grow up and i'm such a stubborn little brat that i was always just don't tell me how to live my life so, <laughs> so my rebellion was i was like i don't want to be an illustrator that's what my mom does yeah, i'm <laughs> gonna be a scientist yeah i mean not that i wanted to be anything else but draw but i just for some reason would not accept illustration as a career into my brain like i ended up going to a fine arts school but i wasn't going with the intention to major in illustration and so what happened i dropped out after two years because i was miserable and i ended up majoring in fiber arts actually I went to a Kansas City Art Institute, and yeah. actually, the year I got there, they took away the illustration program, and they literally told the freshmen, illustration is a dying industry. Yeah, and they refused to grandfather the freshmen in, even though they had advertised a program to them, which is funny now, because that's like their biggest department no. now. They like brought it back. Yeah, and for anyone that might not be aware, I mean, Kansas City is an illustration hub historically in the United States because it's where Hallmark Cards is. And yeah. so they have a lot of, just always had, always a major illustration school in the city. Yeah, it was pretty shocking that they not only took away the program, but just decided to declare industry-wide on our behalf that like illustration was dying. Yeah. <laughs> 
so that was taken away from me. I didn't want to go into fine arts because at the time it was a very fine arts oriented school. And I was drawing figuratively and I wanted to draw narrative and that wasn't kosher with them. So I was really miserable there and I I dropped out after two years and I didn't draw at all for I think five years after that. I didn't even keep a sketchbook. So what brought you back? I mean, you eventually got an illustration degree from SBA. Is that correct? Yeah, I just started drawing again, slowly, bit by bit. And I started, there's a Gage Academy in Seattle, which is a really neat classical atelier. And uh, I started taking some courses there, like figure drawing, that type of thing. And then decided, wow, I guess I, after all this time, I do want to be an illustrator. I spent a couple of years putting a portfolio back together because I didn't even, I had nothing at that point. And uh, also it turns out drawing is not like riding a bicycle. (laughs) 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 I don't know if you know this, but if you stop drawing for five years, it is rough when you come back. So I spent quite a bit of time just getting my muscle memory back. It's good to know that you can, in fact, and that's something that once you walk away from, you can certainly persevere and come back and enjoy your career. So yeah, you can come back. It just takes a minute. I think I still kept my first sketchbook from when I came back and it was, whew, it's a dark book. I will never show anyone. But yeah, uh, so I moved yeah. to New York and majored in illustration at SBA. So when I was studying illustration, most of the assignments that my teachers were giving me were geared towards editorial. And that's very much not the case anymore. The emphasis has shifted from magazines to other things, but it's not nearly as obvious of a choice now to go into editorial. So I'm, I'm curious about your interest in that and what kind of brought you to that point. I didn't quite have a clear goal of going into editorial illustration. I knew I wanted to draw narrative-driven work. But at the time, I was like, I don't want to go into visual development. I'm not interested in getting a job at a gaming studio. Even though that skill set is definitely within my wheelhouse, I think for me, editorial, what eventually drew me was the fact that you're working on little one-off projects. And I like the variety and the breadth of content. Whereas this dev and going into studios and going into game work or any of that type of thing where you're in an office and you're working on something, you're working on one thing for so long. And not that doesn't have its benefits, but I think for me right now, and at the time when I started going into editorial illustration, I was just more interested in experiencing a lot of different ideas and concepts. And that was more in the world of editorial. So when you got out of school, what happened uh, once you graduated from SVA? During all of this time, I was working in restaurants in the service industry as a server, as a host, as a bartender, whatever. I did all the jobs. And so I worked the whole time I was at SBA. So I was just working hard at that probably for a full year after I graduated. You're out of school and you're working and and paying off some debt and things like that. But is there a thing that you're doing at this particular point still to promote yourself, to still participate in or be a part of that community? The thing that it is tough about working outside of a creative job in that sense is you don't make creative connections. However, I will say that working in a restaurant, so many of the people that I was coworkers with were creative in some capacity, but they weren't necessarily illustrators. I'm asking you that in part because seeing how you handle yourself in the illustration world, you're very social. And you're one of the people that I always feel like does an exceptionally good job of building a community around yourself and just getting to know everyone that's working in the illustration world. 
That's why I'm curious uh, when that started to take shape or was that something that was always there? And just what was it that was also keeping you engaged and that allowed you to, to come back in and then really fully focus on and develop an illustration career when it was good for you to do that? I think I've always naturally been fairly good at being charismatic, but I will say that actually working in restaurants for 10 years is a huge component of that. It's an extremely social job and you just develop a personality that you're just, I can talk to anybody. So I think that definitely helped like going to parties, like I go to AI events and SOI events, but I didn't necessarily go to a ton of in-person events. I think online is mostly where I started to build contacts. I would say it took me a good two years, really, though, to get that rolling after I graduated. I was probably about a year into being part-time freelance at that point. What were some of those jobs you were getting? And if there were any moments in time that got to a point where you're like, this is changing things. This is growing my career. I feel like I leveled up in my career, those kind of things. Sure. I'm trying to think. I think like one of my first jobs was actually for Ben King at BuzzFeed. Oh, uh, yeah. And actually that job ended up getting included in the, I believe it was the American Illustration that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they submitted on my behalf, which was really kind of them. But I think he was the first one to hire me just like point blank, cold. I sent him a cold yeah. promo email. I was very good about promo emails. I was sending them out a lot, probably like 25 to 40 emails a month and individually typed too. Like I didn't use a mailing nice. list or anything. And I yeah. took time to look up the AD and make sure they worked there. I'd like look at a couple projects they'd worked at on with other illustrators. Like I really tried to be intentional with it and make sure that my work was a good fit. The very first email that I sent out that ever got replied to was actually from someone at Playboy. And I was so excited because I was like, I can't believe that someone's reading these emails. Playboy is like a huge destination. Was if you get contacted by Playboy magazine for an illustration, that's somebody telling you're good enough to work in any of the biggest magazines to just wait. And so it's a huge, it's a huge compliment. It's enough to be like, okay, that's cool. Oh uh, yeah. I think that's like really when it started to click for me was just like consistent yeah. promotion of myself. And then I got a job from Ben King and then actually Long Reads gave me one of my big jobs too. And he actually, the AD there, Kel, he gave it to me because he was like, yeah, you're really consistent with your promotions. And I appreciate that because so many people send me emails and I never hear from them again. So for you to email me and follow up proves to me that you're in the game and you're paying attention and that you actually want to work with me rather than just like yeah. throwing out, you know, random misses and hoping that I pay attention. So it did pay off. You know, our director's memories are only so big and they reach to what's closest at hand and become a part of the illustration world simply by entering the rotation on a regular basis. Yeah. And they said, oh, you're actually, you're like a real illustrator because I've seen it a lot. And I know that this is something you take seriously. And there's a lot to that. I've, I've done that for years. I've sent emails to people for you know five years and never even knew if they got them. And then one day I got a job. And it turns out they were getting the emails all along. And they just didn't reply. When I talk to people who are not illustrators, people that have gone into the fine art world or just other aspects of the visual art world, I try to explain what an illustrator is. When you think of your own work, how are you marketing it? How do you how do you think about yourself? I was thinking about this the other day in that when I first built my portfolio, and I'm going to bring this back to restaurants because <laughs> of yeah. course I am, like a restaurateur, they go to create a restaurant. They spend a ton of money and a ton of time like conceptualizing the space. They think about 
what kind of people are going to come in. They think about the menu. They think about how they think this restaurant is going to fit in the community. And then they open. And then after that point, like it's completely out of their hands in a sense. And people in that neighborhood are going to want that restaurant for maybe a different reason than the restaurateur ever even thought. And your choice at that point is to accept that's what the community wants from you and to make your restaurant fit that. Or you can try to fight it and try to continue building your vision. And I think about that in the sense of portfolios. Like I made a portfolio thinking I had a clear idea of what about it would appeal to art directors. And it was so funny to me when I started to have art directors like find things in my portfolio that I didn't even really realize were there. And they they made the visual connection and then brought jobs to me that I would have never even thought that I would be a good fit for. So people come to me for tech illustrations a lot, which is like, I never in a thousand years would have thought, oh, I'll do a lot of tech illustrations. (laughs) (laughs) I I get called upon for a lot of like medical stories just because I do work in a narrative way that incorporates humanity. So I think often I'm called upon to bring humanity to like medical articles, whether or not they're informational or whether or not they're like a dramatic retelling of a, a medical disaster, et cetera. I do build my portfolio around certain aspects, and I'm always trying to lean my portfolio in a direction I'd like to make by putting up work that I'd like to continue making. But every once in a while, I get these just crazy job offers where I'm like, wow, I never saw that in my own work, and I appreciate your vision that you think I can do the job you want me to do. I'm open to trying a lot of different things, but when I first started out, I just had a general rule of I would say yes to everything because I didn't really know what I liked to draw. I mean, like in in school, they spend so much time telling you to draw what you want to draw. And I think that's great. But the downside of that is that then you get into a professional capacity and you get into editorial and you're being asked to draw a lot of things that you never even really thought about drawing. And you don't know whether or not you enjoy it yet. Yeah, I've had moments like that and conversations like that with art directors that usually involve them sending me a sketch that I would have never done. And then thinking, oh, that sketch looks like this person's work and having to say this is, I think, the artist that you you had in mind or that would definitely do this better than I could. Can I get you to, if there's any sort of like large clients or big projects that just stand out as as something special? Yeah, I did that series for Long Reads. I did actually two seasons of it and it was Bundyville. It was a podcast that they put out the first year and it has to do with that militia standoff that happened in Oregon. And so it's this one journalist did a really in-depth review of all of this and interviewed everyone and made a a really interesting narrative out of it. And so I illustrated that the first year and then they ended up doing a seat like a part two so i illustrated that this past year and actually that series got into the society of illustrators the portraits i did for that and that was a fun project just because it was a big project and also because i just love the art directors at long reads and they really trust me what does that process look like on, on a long project what is the collaborative nature That one was actually somewhat complicated because while I was working with them as art directors, I was also working with the Oregon public broadcasting people who I never spoke to directly, but they had a lot of opinions as well. So I was managing several expectations from several angles. They weren't narrative illustrations. The first year I was combining the gist of each story into a boiled down essence. But then the second year they were following individuals. So they were, they pitched it to me. They're like, what about like 
a split idea of showing both sides of these people. These people have an outward-facing personality that they're just good citizens. And then the other part of them is that they were, like, planning to bomb a mosque. And the final iteration of this, this is Long Reads, is an online publication. Yes. So when you click on the headline story, this is the the main illustration. Yeah, it's the banner. And then they also used, obviously, like, they did social media crops for... Instagram, etc. And I believe a crop too for iTunes because podcasts need that square format. Right. And at, at this point now, you're well you established. And I wonder what you're doing now to prepare for things like retirement or savings or whatever. How do you plan ahead as a freelance illustrator to hopefully have a sense of security in the future moving forward? I'm hoping that I'm just dead by the time I retire, so I don't have to, do, have to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, 60, let nature take care of itself. Yeah, 62, yeah. put me on an ice float, send me out to the ocean, and want to deal with this. That's tricky because I don't want to say that I come from a super poor background, but there were years where we were on food stamps, and mm-hmm. there were years where we were doing really well. So it's been hard for me as I make more money and get more established in a career that has a higher earning potential than I've ever had to kind of start thinking in that way. Cause that's never really been a part of my identity. My dad was a plumber, but blue collar existed. So I'm starting to try and think more like that. Now I think maybe down the line, I might be ready to actually open up to an office job, more security and more benefits and a company that will help me start investing in my future in that sense start an IRA, that type of thing. But I guess it's just been on my to-do list, but I've just been so busy like trying to survive that I haven't approached it yet. But it is, on one hand, it's reassuring, of course, to look at people that are uh, older than us and have been illustrating for 20, 30 more years and um, are still are still relevant yeah. and are still working. And that always is, is very heartening for me. And the variable nature of a freelance income, too, also makes it hard to plan for that type of thing because this month might be incredible, but who knows what next month looks like. All right. We're getting towards the end here. Let's just close with uh, two questions. What are some things that you're really excited about that are going on in the illustration industry, although other artwork outside of that that you're excited by, too, I'd love to hear. And uh, what do you think the future holds for you? as an artist. In the industry right now, I am excited by the fact that I think young illustrators are starting to think of not necessarily unionizing, but organizing, like the Lightbox initiative that was created by several of my peers, I I think is amazing and necessary and a helpful tool for so many people in our industry, just because I think prices are never really discussed and people don't know how to advocate for themselves. So like on the organizational side of things, I'm really excited about that. From an outside of illustration perspective, I feel like I look at so much illustration and also no illustration at the same time. Do you know what I mean? I look at so much illustration on a day-to-day basis now that I can't even process it even anymore. So I've just been enjoying illustration ambiently, but I don't think I've been as aesthetically influenced by it as much as I have cinematography and photography. Especially because I work so realistically, I think those formats apply to me more often than illustration does since like light and shadow and form and value are such a big part of how I build an image. So like for me, looking at cinematography of like Roger Deakins, 
and the way that he uses light and shadow is, I think, so much more relevant to how I make a picture than a lot of illustration is. On that note, I think we can call it a day. Cool. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with me talking about your illustration career. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.